Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic Story Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie. And I'm your other host, Harless. In this podcast, Harless and I provide our synopsis of the fiction story of Magic the Gathering and add our own flavor texts and reactions as we go. We are in the heart of season four, which follows the story of the magic set March of the Machine, finale of the Phyrexian arc. Today, we return to the main story, diving into episode seven titled Divine Intervention by Kay Arsenal Rivera. Join us as we head into the multiverse. so excited about today's episode. I am so excited. Are you ready, Harless listeners out there? Our finale is about to unfold. This was probably the most fast-paced episodes I have read yet, and that's saying something. I devoured this episode. Like, this was a page-turner for sure. No, I agree. I actually um, started reading it at night and stayed up and like stayed up later than I meant to because I just kept turning the page. (laughs) I just kept wanting to read this one. So let's do it. Let's dive into it. So big picture, we're at war with Phyrexia. The mother of machines, Elish Norn, has set loose her Phyrexianized swarms across the multiverse by using Realm Breaker, a twisted version of the world tree. We have seen the multiverse fight back valiantly across the plains, but the Phyrexians are winning this war, so it's not looking good for our surviving planeswalkers. I'll get us up to speed on some of the specifics here as we dive into the episode. Harless, do you want to get us started? All right. This episode starts off with our dear old friend, Karn. Remember him? Okay, Karn. Gollum planeswalker, former father of machines. He was built by Urza a long, long, long time ago. And long story short, he accidentally created the Phyrexians and the Plain of Mirrodin, so he's vowed his life to destroy them. He was our main narrator through season one, Dominaria United. But then he was captured by Elish Norn, disassembled, and has been held prisoner on New Phyrexia ever since. Did I get that all in there? That's definitely the gist of it. And actually, the story itself gives us a single paragraph that sums up this complicated history of Karn really well, so I'm going to read it for you. In his arrogance, he'd shaped the world. In his hubris, he'd left one of his own creations in charge of it. In his ignorance, he'd tracked Phyrexian oil throughout the plain. If he'd been more present, he might have realized Mimnark had lost his way. If he'd paid attention, he might have seen the oil dripping in his wake. But he wasn't present, and he wasn't paying attention. And Mirrodin's fall crushed anyone who lived within it. Don't follow me, he'd told the others, because all of this was his problem, and solving it was going to kill him. So, yes, obviously Karn, Gollum machine who Urza built to have a conscience and feel pain, and oh boy, does Karn have tons of emotions here. He feels incredibly guilty. He believes it's all his fault, that he's about to witness the end of the multiverse right here, right now. So let's place us back into this moment and paint the picture of what's happening around Karn right now. Chandra and Ren had tried to get to Realmbreaker back in episode 5. They had failed because Nyssa stopped them. Norn appeared after that and a whole Phyrexian legion at her side, as well as her mad scientist praetor Jin Cataxius. She'd snapped her fingers and summoned Karn, who is in pieces and fused onto this slab, rendered completely helpless and in agony, by the way. 
to witness her destroy his friends. To quote the story here, he has a perfect view to the end of the multiverse. Before we move on, I want to call something out. Just this one line. He'd tracked Phyrexian oil throughout the plane. As in, Karn created Phyrexians on Mirrodin by literally stepping in oil and tracking it onto the plane. So of course he feels guilty. It's the but it's so innocuous, right? Like it was not intentional. Yes. It was yes. clearly, clearly unknown to him even. And yet it was an accident. Yeah. But that also doesn't excuse Karn. Right. Like Karn, Karn is responsible here. Like let's make that clear. But I also cannot be mad at him. He like and and his guilt is a little overbearing too. It's like he's blaming it all on himself. And I'm like, Karn, like, yeah, you vowed your life to fix this, but at the same time, how could you have known what it would have turned into? He, he couldn't have possibly foreseen Elish Norn and all of this happening. I think Karn's being a little hard on himself. Although yeah. maybe some of it, some of it, baby tiny bit, is a little warranted. I agree with that. I think he feels this immense guilt, which isn't being very helpful right now because he's in so much pain and he's feeling all this guilt and he thinks that all of his friends are gone and it's all his fault. And he is just, you're, I think you're right. He's just in his feelings in a big way. So here's another quote from the story. Karn's in agony. He has no choice but to embrace it, reshape it, make it something useful, an anchor that will keep him tied to what remains of his body. So long as he can feel that pain, he is himself. And surrounded by the triumph of his failures, it only feels appropriate. This is the end of his creations, of the multiverse, of him. Elish Norn is gloating. I said that at the end of episode six. I mean, obviously she's a tyrant who has essentially won the ultimate prize, the multiverse. Of course, she's going to gloat in this moment. So she goes on to Karn, all full of fanged smiles about the heights Phyrexia has accomplished, the victories in her hands. She's practically gleeful watching Jin Gitaxius and the rest of the Phyrexians modify the captured Mirans, meaning they have torn off limbs and spliced them, unwillingly, I add. It's gruesome, but that's Phyrexia. And Jin Gitaxius has his eyes set on Karn, advancing towards him. This is from the story. Though his heart aches, he understands. After all they'd worked towards, all their time struggling against the impossible, the sacrifices and the dreams, they are all going to die here because of his mistakes all that time ago. Karn watches Jen Gitaxius raise an arm to strike him, the gleam of his wicked claws. He closes his eyes, accepting his own death, but then something gold flashes beyond his eyelids. A clarion call shatters the chitter-skitter of Phyrexia's great machine. Karn opens his eyes to watch what happens next. A golden light, the clashing of metal, shockwaves rocking the bridge they stood upon. An angel, with gleaming armor and huge golden wings and a golden blade. She counters Jin Cataxius's attack, the impact of her descent into the scene throwing the Phyrexians back. When the angel speaks, you will not strike this man down. Karn recognizes it's Elspeth Tyrell. And yeah, so does Elish Norn. Elish Norn screeches out in disbelief and rises from her throne. And I just have to say, like, this scene where Elish Norn was sitting in her throne during this whole time, just like sitting back watching Jin Cataxius gonna destroy Karn, kind of shows who Elish Norn was. 
And I loved in this moment where she when she stood from her throne, there was actually a, a description that she had thrown it back so hard when she rose to her feet that she actually crushed some of her own followers and she didn't even care that like that that happened. So I, I just I love how that paints Norn's personality in this moment. I, I just had to call that out. It was a really cool visual. So after Elish Norn screeches out her disbelief and throws her throne to the side, Jin Gataxius's forces just flee, which I don't blame them. And Elspeth ignores Elish's flabbergasted sputtering, and she goes to Chandra to start to heal Chandra's wounds. And remember, Chandra is in pretty bad shape at this point. In the Mirans, like cough, Karn sees hope return to their eyes as they gaze upon Elspeth the angel. And can we just hear it for the girl for a minute here? Because Elspeth is an angel, and this is just so well-deserved. Like, we have seen so much sacrifice from her in this entire story arc, starting in Dominaria, coming all the way through. She's never hesitated to put herself in the spot of the hero, even when it's scary, even when it's hard, even when she doesn't want to. And she is now an angel. And that just makes me so happy. I was so elated to hear this. And then Elish Norn picks up a piece of her throne. Remember, she threw it over and she like cracks a piece off of it and throws it at Elspeth. And <laughs> she's so childish. Yes. I just picture her throwing pieces of rock like that. <laughs> she's just this like blind anger, which, yeah, it reminds you of like a child. Right. And it doesn't even bother Elspeth. It shatters on impact against her wings and does not even knock her forward. It doesn't right? even phase Not her. at all. Yeah. She's yeah. a freaking angel now, okay? She yeah, <laughs> she is a freaking angel. And seeing Elish Norn's attack do nothing against Elspeth ripples fear across the Phyrexian legions watching. Which they was so satisfying. It's so satisfying. And they pull back a little. And this is enough for the prisoners who are surviving planeswalkers like Ren and Chandra and the remaining Mirans to seize their chance. Koth drives his fist into the ground, sending magma all the way to the base of the invasion tree. Elish Norn, meanwhile, begins to fall into a fit of rage, using everything she can get her hands on as a weapon against Elspeth. Nothing works. Elspeth is just too powerful. And something interesting begins to unfold here, in that Jin Kataxius crawls up to Norn's side and exclaims that this angel is just one of many, nothing more than something to be consumed by Phyrexia, easily dispatched by his legions, and that Elish Nord need not waste any time or thought to her. He ignores Elish Norn's command to take care of the prisoners while she deals with Elspeth. And Elish Norn does not like that. In fact, she is absolutely irate at Jen Kataxias, taking him by the throat and screaming at him to follow her commands. And while this is happening, Norn and Gengataxius disagreeing with each other, which is crazy, by the way, to watch Phyrexians bicker with each other when they're supposed to be all about unity and such. During this, Malira runs over to Karn's platform and says, you're going to be okay. So right here, we switch to Ren's perspective. It's the same scene, but remember, Ren has no legs or body, pretty much. Nyssa had destroyed Seven, her bonded tree. So the Dryad Planeswalker is incredibly weak and barely hanging on. The only thing that matters to Ren now is getting to Realmbreaker so that she can save everyone. I can't walk anymore, Ren says to Chandra, getting her attention. I need your help. And just like that, Chandra is back into the go-getter action. And just like that, Chandra is back in go-getter action. She scoops up Ren and begins to run across the massive bridge towards Realmbreaker. The Mirans follow them. Unfortunately, though, everything begins to fall apart here. 
the Phyrexian army swarming around them follow the group of planeswalkers and Mirren resistance fighters, Norn's anger fueling their frantic push. Koth uses the back of the slab Karn is fused to to hold back the bulk of the Phyrexian ranged attacks, like arrows and spears, but the swarm is just, it's thousands strong and they're all scrambling after this group. And there was still Nyssa to contend with. So Ren is struggling to hang on through all this, but her resolve is still strong. She wants to save everyone, give the Mirans peace, end the Phyrexians and this invasion, you name it. But she also recognizes that she can't do it alone. She needs Chandra's help, and she needs Teferi's help. Teferi, again, Ren is bringing up Teferi. She is so certain about his ability to help, but I'm still struggling to see how he's going to help in this situation because... Isn't he on Zalfir, like, really far away? Yeah, like, my questions, too. And I think we're all in the same boat of wondering here what Ren thinks Teferi can do. And I think, as are the other planeswalkers, but I think we'll just roll with it for now. I'm Ren clearly knows something we don't. Ren is choosing to have faith. I'll choose to have faith, too. Yep, same, same. So Nyssa catches up to them, going straight after Chandra. Her magic is so mighty, so devastating, she cuts through the chaos like it's nothing. There's no compassion in those eyes, reads the story. No mercy, no trace of the woman who was once there. Koth has his hands full, keeping the others from getting hurt. Karn's as torn apart as she is. The fleeing resistance, they're doing what they can, but what they can do to a Phyrexianized elven planeswalker isn't much. Elspeth's distracting Norn. And Chandra? Chandra can't bring herself to hurt Nyssa. Ren knows that without having to ask. While Chandra and Ren are racing towards the tree, flanked by Koth and the Mirans, Nyssa is chasing after them. And we switch back to Elspeth's perspective during this. So Elish Norn is throwing all matter of objects at Elspeth. And in the story, it refers to this as the desperate actions of a person who knows they are going to lose. And these objects have zero effect on Elspeth. In fact, Elish Norn isn't all that frightening to Elspeth anymore. She calls Norn more like a doll as opposed to this immense threat to the multiverse. And I'd imagine when you're an archangel, most things seem small and insignificant. So Elish Norn lunges for Elspeth here with her claws outstretched, and she yanks Elspeth straight out of the air, slamming her into the ground. Elish Norn screams to her, furious, that Elspeth will not ruin Phyrexia's triumph. The salvation of the multiverse is our righteous calling, Norn says. How dare you stand against it? But Elspeth counters, saying she has her own calling, to which Norn responds that Elspeth's calling is false. Phyrexia shall never fail, Norn continues to say. You cannot run from us. We are the ground beneath your feet, the air in your lungs. Everything that you lay eyes upon is Phyrexia, and Phyrexia is us. We are whole. And during this, Elish Norn had begun to rip apart the Phyrexian legions around her for useful parts, building this massive, unrelenting wall of Phyrexian metal around them, shielding Norn in this impossibly big armor-like thing. Even Elspeth's sword, Godsend, couldn't penetrate it. And all the while, Elspeth knows everything she's doing with Elish Norn is a distraction. Because Chandra and Ren, with Nyssa tearing around them, the Mirans and Koth trying to hold back a horde of angry Phyrexians, that's who needs Elspeth's help desperately. And around Elish Norn and Elspeth, the Praetors Vorinclex and Jingataxius are also closing in around them. Their legions going for Elspeth and closing in around her wings, drowning her in this mess of Phyrexians. 
Her muscles strain under all this pressure, trying to keep them at bay with her wings. And Norn just goes on in her glorified ranting, claiming that Elspeth doesn't need to struggle, that she can just find home with Phyrexia. It's not too late to join. And this is from the story. Elspeth looks over her shoulder. Norn standing taller than ever, the added plates from the bridge and the fallen serving to stretch her even further. Bright viscera shines beneath the surface, the flayed flesh of which she's so proud. From the size of her, the cruel shapes of the armor, and the cask-like grill of her new carapace, she looks nothing like home. Elish Norn is war and death. With a mighty slash of her sword, Elspeth cuts through the Phyrexians holding her down, declaring, You don't understand me. I'm nothing like you, to Norn. Elish Norn fights back, but Elspeth dodges her attacks and counters. But Norn, humongous now in her new body, grabs Elspeth by her wing and says, what does this form offer you that Phyrexia cannot? Peace, purpose, unity. Yet they cannot grant you the last, not in truth. Skin still binds you together, weakens you. To be Phyrexian is to be free from all such boundaries. What you've gained is a pale imitation of what we've perfected. Angels are a pale shadow of divinity. We are its true light. From the heights of this sanctum, we see all things exactly as they are. And Elspeth... While she hates it, there's still actually truth to what Norn is saying. Phyrexia does achieve unity. That fact just can't be argued with. And Norn tries to get Elspeth to understand that becoming an angel really isn't all that different from becoming a Phyrexian. And Norn has spent so long talking to Elspeth, just ranting and trying to get her to see the truth that Norn so clearly sees, that Jengataxia starts to get irritated with Norn. He snaps at her, asking her why she spent so much time wasted on getting this angel to see. Just complete her already and let us be on our way, he snarls. And Norn's mood immediately drops into pure rage at Jin Gataxius. She even attacks him. This is from the story, and you can kind of guess what Norn does to him. A clash of metal. The sound of tearing flesh. Jin Gataxius gurgles behind Elspeth. Oof. She just tears him apart? Yeah, Elish Norn turns to her loyal praetor like it's nothing, and it reveals everything Elspeth needs to know. The descent of Phyrexia is real, and Elishnorn's glory is only for herself. Elspeth drives her sword into Norn's shoulder. Wounded, bleeding, Norn lets her go, and golden light bursts from Elspeth, power concentrated into her sword. You're right, Norn, she says. We aren't so different. We argue, we make mistakes, we have our own wants, dreams, and desires. Norn's mouth wrenches in confusion and disgust. What blasphemy is this? We speak only Phyrexia's will. Norn swings, but Elspeth ducks out of the way. You disagreed with Jengataxius, didn't you? Phyrexia wants you to ignore me, but you want differently. And a shout peals from Norn's throat. Shards of fallen soldiers slice through the air, blades of the dead each aimed at Elspeth. You. You understand nothing of Phyrexia, Elspeth responds. No. The problem is I understand you far too well. As Elspeth prepares her attack, she realizes that Chandra and Wren and the others racing for the tree are out of time. The Phyrexians are going to overwhelm them. And just as she's realizing this, a spear impales Malira and sends her crumpling to the ground. Koth screams. I screamed too. I did. <laughs> Malira! Yeah. No! Like legit. I was just like, wait, what? Like I, I turned the page back. I was like, no, that didn't just happen. It happened so fast. It happened. Yeah, it happened. So Elspeth clearly wants to help them, but she has to finish Norn first. 
who's still ranting about the glory she has achieved, that Elspeth is nothing, and the multiverse will remember the eternal hierophant, Elish Norn. And this is what Elspeth points out to Norn, that her, quote, all will be one glory is only for her, that she wishes for the multiverse to worship Elish Norn, not Phyrexia. And with this, for the first time ever, Elish Norn finally speaks for herself saying, I hate you and sends a volley of flying metal careening toward Elspeth, which is essentially swords that she's built from the very core of Phyrexia around them by pulling all the metal out of the surface, essentially, because, you know, she's used up all the metal on the bodies at this point, and now she's going into the surface. And I just love how Elspeth manages to escape this attack by Elish Norn. This was probably the coolest Elspeth Archangel maneuver that I think I've ever seen. So it's, so she's, got Elspeth to concentrate all of these swords into like a single, like almost like a single spear careening straight for her. And Elspeth kind of uses the wall. She does like this cool kind of like martial arts spin around on the wall and uses her sword godsend to basically like crash through this line of swords that Elish Norn had sent towards her with this ray of light and just like speeds right by Elish Norn in this like microsecond of awesomeness and lands like halfway down the bridge. It was it was this cool, the coolest like maneuver that I've ever seen Elspeth do. And I'm like, oh, yeah, she's an angel. And so um, and so sorry, back to you, Harless. I just had to explain the the really cool maneuver that Elspeth did. It was very cool. And then next, Elspeth cuts through this with that ray of light. She lands halfway down the bridge, heading for the tree to help her friends. The hope of the multiverse rests on her plumed shoulders. It is time to do the right thing. So she heads for Chandra and Ren, almost to the tree, ignoring Elishnorn screaming after her. And that's how we end the episode. Can you and believe that? And that's how that? we end the episode. We don't know if Malira is okay. We don't know if Chandra and Nyssa have been fighting this whole time. We don't know what's going on on that other side of the bridge. And Elish is still there, by the way. She's angry, but she's still there. She is furious, and she is still there, and clearly going to go after Elspeth and, and all of these other planeswalkers, like... This is on, this this final battle has only just started. Absolutely. And we we end with Elspeth doing super cool martial arts move off of the like I just have to say it's like it was it was pretty epically cool seeing Elspeth do her archangel stuff in this, yeah. in this episode. It was just so satisfying. We didn't we didn't actually mention it, but when Elspeth arrives there she basically does like the coolest superhero moment where she like lands in a big crater a forms moment. in the ground and uh she just like stands up with her wings out and it's like boom Elspeth is an angel it's so cool I'm so happy to see Elspeth be an angel I'm so happy she's back like the last time we saw her she had planes walked away with the Silex and we didn't know if she was okay and then we heard you know she was in that dream state in New Capenna and so we didn't really know what was happening with her and now we know that was all her transforming into an angel herself so that she could come back and save the day in true Elspeth fashion. This moment. Yes. Yep. Yep. And like this episode was such a cliffhanger, but luckily we have more episodes right around the corner where we get to see how this all plays out. I think it's fair to say that Natalie and I are officially obsessed with the story and this episode really just made it even bigger for me. If you liked this episode too, do us a huge favor and leave us a review. And you know the coolest part? March of the Machine came out on April 21st, so you can go see these characters and events on cards right now. 
As always, you can read this story and many more at mtgstory.com. We have more March of the Machine story coming your way soon, but until then, have have a magical magical day. day.